I hope you enjoy this episode with Eleni Sarantinu. Hey everybody, this is Corey Poirier and welcome to Blue Talks. I'm the founder of Blue Talks and I'm so excited for you to be checking out this latest episode recorded on site at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Hope you enjoy. Um, it's 1991 and I've just started my first job and to show her support my mother has given me a mug with a sheep on it and she told me if, if I needed uh, more courage I would just look at the sheep and then she would be there in spirit and she would send me more energy um, it was a great job and my manager was an example of uh, developing talent and nurturing relationships and she was also nagging me about not washing up my mug and um, I didn't honestly ever so she eventually got fed up and she warned me that if I wouldn't start washing up she would break it and sure enough I came in one day and she had so there was my mug smashed to pieces all over the floor how could she? I quit. 1993. Another new job, another great job, another great manager. Now this time, my manager was nagging me about not taking notes, putting things down, and not being really organized. I reassured him many, many times that I had this brilliant mind and this exquisite memory uh, until a folder went missing. And uh, he yelled at me and he blamed me and I quit. 1995. Another new job, you get the picture. Now, all was great till I got ill. My manager encouraged me to uh, take sick leave and I refused. I stayed on and I carried on working. Shortly after my colleague got ill and she did get the sick leave. So my manager asked me to take on her tasks for the next six months. I felt totally punished for my loyalty and dedication and as I did very well I quit. Now, all three experiences um, caused me a great deal of hurt and frustration. And what if I had seen all three under different lens, under a different light perspective? What if I had seen my first job as an opportunity to learn to clean up after myself and tidy up rather than staying angry for so long. What if rather than be overly proud about my memory, um, taking this, had treated it as an opportunity, as a chance to develop new organized systems and ways of working. 
And what if, what if I had listened to my body better and had taken that rest and had appreciated how sweet our manager was to both me and my colleague in different ways. So what if I could play back every story, any story from the past or the future for that matter? What if I could do this and just change the perspective and therefore change the focus and therefore change the meaning and therefore change the story altogether? So it took me a great deal of years to recognize that, realize that I had this power and I did and I'm so grateful I did it this lifetime. So what happens is that I needed to change the perspective which meant I needed to redefine a few things in my life and to do this there was one very important step to take, probably the first one. How to get to learn how my minds work, my emotions work, and my body works. And I got to it. You see, nowadays we are incredibly lucky to live in an era where we know more than enough we need to get our life to exactly where we want it to be with all these three our minds, our emotions, and our body. Their knowledge is there. And, mind you, scientists and spiritual leaders and everyone in the middle pretty much say the same things. So it's all out there for grabs. And we have access, we have publications, we have books, we have people, we have mentors, everything, we have internet, we have YouTube, whatever you want to call it. But it's for all of us out there. And in the past, I'm just guessing here, that you know, we've all been to schools where priority was mathematics and history and geography and languages, which is fantastic. I enjoyed myself so much. Lovely, great. But back then, we didn't know how the brain works. We didn't know how important emotions were. We just didn't know. Now it's out there, we do. So we just have to catch up. And before we actually talk about change and how to enjoy a life that is exactly what you dreamt of, well, we need to get to these three education points pretty soon because every year now is like what a decade was in the past. It goes extremely fast. So how the minds work? I'm just going to share my two cents with you. First of all, there are a lot of minds. I'm sure you got the plural of the word. I thought I was making up my mind, I lose my mind. Well, there are lots of minds. And there are so many distinctions. So, well, you know, you have the conscious, the unconscious, you have different parts. I thought you always had to be good. You have your good mind. Well, you know what? You have the good, the bad, and the naughty. So there is, there's so much, and they have so many different functions. We have so many parts inside us, so many voices. And it does take time. We need to invest to find out everything that 
the scientists and spiritual leaders already know, to actually get to that. Because, come on, sometimes I feel we know the settings of our smartphone and the washing machine and the television better than what we have between our ears, which is the, more, the most complex object in the universe. So, and everything, of course, needs a little bit, what? Time, and a decision, and dedication, and practice, like anything we've ever learned. I mean, how did you learn to drive? How did you do that? How would it actually feel if you were the driver of your own life? Well, to do that, we need to learn. And it's brand new knowledge, or at least for the last, I don't know, two, three decades for the masses in the world. So the other thing I realized about, except that we have different minds, is that we do have the thinking mind, which I personally thought I'm a daughter of engineers. I thought it was the only voice in my head. So and I really worked hard and I tried to do my best. But it turns out this specific mind, the thinking mind, is linked as Eckhart Tolle says, linked always with time, which means it just has a very specific function. When you only know the conscious mind or the logic or the thinking mind, as we call it, you know what? You'll always obsess about planning and the future or dwell on the past. And it has a function, it has a value, as long as you know when to use what mind and that this specific one is for these reasons, not for every second. So, and this specific mind, the thinking mind, strives a little bit about, uh, you know, to be perfect and solution and quick fix. Again, it's not for every hour. We have many different minds. We have minds that are really more about progress and small steps, one step, a step at a time, and about taking it easy and enjoying life and smell the roses, or actually minds that they do everything for us, if only we let them. So the other thing I realized was the first seven years, I was programmed by others. What? I mean, it's just mind-blowing. So, but then the good news came our minds, all of them, can be trained and reprogrammed. Yes. So one of the very important factors, I'm just going to name one, is the visual memory. How the symbolism really runs our life behind the scenes more than we ever thought. And I have my daughter, Isabel, who always, when we talk about doing things, just get her block, drawing block, and so we say, just tell me, you know, how do you imagine it? Let's grasp it. Let's put it on a nice drawing. Let's put it on the wall. Let's find the words. Let's make it 3D. She just goes a long way to make sure imagination is a reality tomorrow. So how do emotions work? Now that was a big one, a huge one. I don't know about you. I'm guessing you might have heard at least once in your life that what, you are angry? What for? You have a roof, you have food, you know all these poor people, why are you angry? You shouldn't be angry. But then again, I did feel quite angry many times. But I learned that we don't have a solution for that, 
So basically, swallow it and move on. Now, the big surprise here is that when you swallow it, it doesn't go away. <laughs> it just doesn't. So it's accumulated and it just, you know, make sure it gets you disease and separation and pain and bankruptcy and whatever you want to call it. And you're just going to think it's completely relevant. But it's all that accumulated negative emotion. And another separation that was made a very big difference in my life is that anger and sadness and fear and guilt and frustration and hurt, whatever you want to call it, they were never enemies. I used to run away from that because we didn't have any education. They were really a thermostat of saying, you know, check this, adjust that. They were really best friends. And the other thing was that you have this amazing ability. I mean, you don't want somebody to die and say, I don't do sadness. <laughs> or somebody slap you and say, I don't do angry. Slap the other cheek. I mean, <laughs> would you advise that to your kid in the yard? So the other thing I learned was that these are our friends, our ability to express. I hope you enjoy this episode with Eleni Sarantinu. Hey everybody, this is Corey Poirier and welcome to Blue Talks. I'm the founder of Blue Talks and I'm so excited for you to be checking out this latest episode recorded on site at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Hope you enjoy. It's 1991, and I've just started my first job. And to show her support, my mother has given me a mug with a sheep on it. And she told me if, if I needed uh, more courage, I would just look at the sheep, and then she would be there in spirit, and she would send me more energy. Um, it was a great job, and my manager was an example of uh, developing talent and nurturing relationships. And she was also nagging me about not washing up my mug. And um, I didn't, honestly, ever. So she eventually got fed up and she warned me that if I wouldn't start washing up, she would break it. And sure enough, I came in one day and she had. So there was my mug, smashed to pieces all over the floor. How could she? I quit. 1993. Another new job, another great job, another great manager. Now this time, my manager was nagging me about not taking notes, putting things down, and not being really organized. I reassured him many, many times that I had this brilliant mind and this exquisite memory uh, until a folder went missing. And uh, he yelled at me and he blamed me and I quit. 1995. Another new job, you get the picture. Now, 
all was great till I got ill. My manager encouraged me to uh, take sick leave and I refused. I stayed on and I carried on working. Shortly after, my colleague got ill and she did get the sick leave. So my manager asked me to take on her tasks for the next six months. I felt totally punished for my loyalty and dedication and as I did very well, I quit. Now, all three experiences um, caused me a great deal of hurt and frustration. And what if I had seen all three under different lens, under a different light, perspective? What if I had seen my first job as an opportunity to learn, to clean up after myself and tidy up, rather than staying angry for so long? What if rather than be overly proud about my memory, um, had taken this, had treated it as an opportunity, as a chance to develop new organized systems and ways of working. And what if, what if I had listened to my body better, and had taken that rest, and had appreciated how sweet our manager was to both me and my colleague in different ways. So, what if I could play back every story, any story, from the past, or the future for that matter? What if I could do this and just change the perspective, and therefore change the focus, and therefore change the meaning, and therefore change the story altogether? So, it took me a great deal of years to recognize that, realize that I had this power. And I did, and I'm so grateful I did it this lifetime. So, what happens is that I needed to change the perspective, which meant I needed to redefine a few things in my life. And to do this, there was one very important step to take, probably the first one. How to get to learn how my minds work, my emotions work, and my body works. And I got to it. You see, nowadays we are incredibly lucky to live in an era where we know more than enough we need to get our life to exactly where we want it to be with all these three our minds, our emotions, and our body. Their knowledge is there. And, mind you, scientists and spiritual leaders and everyone in the middle pretty much say the same things. So it's all out there for grabs. And we have access, we have publications, we have books, we have people, we have mentors, everything, we have internet, we have YouTube, whatever you want to call it. But it's for all of us out there. And in the past, I'm just guessing here that you know, we've all been to schools where priority was mathematics and history and geography 
and languages, which is fantastic. I enjoyed myself so much. Lovely, great. But back then, we didn't know how the brain works. We didn't know how important emotions were. We just didn't know. Now it's out there. We do. So we just have to catch up. And before we actually talk about change and how to enjoy a life that is exactly what you dreamt of, well, we need to get to these three education points pretty soon because every year now is like what a decade was in the past. It goes extremely fast. So how the minds work? I'm just going to share my two cents with you. First of all, there are a lot of minds. I'm sure you got the plural of the word. I thought I was making up my mind, I lose my mind. Well, there are lots of minds. And there are so many distinctions. So, well, you know, you have the conscious, the unconscious, you have different parts. I thought you always had to be good. You have your good mind. Well, you know what? You have the good, the bad, and the naughty. So there is, there's so much, and they have so many different functions. We have so many parts inside us, so many voices. And it does take time. We need to invest to find out everything that the scientists and spiritual leaders already know to actually get to that. Because, come on, sometimes I feel we know the settings of our smartphone and the washing machine and the television better than what we have between our ears, which is the, more, the most complex object in the universe. So, and everything, of course, needs a little bit, what? Time, and a decision, and dedication, and practice, like anything we've ever learned. I mean, how did you learn to drive? How did you do that? How would it actually feel if you were the driver of your own life? to do that we need to learn and it's brand new knowledge or at least for the last I don't know two three decades for the masses in the world so the other thing I realized about except that we have different minds is that we do have the thinking mind which I personally thought I'm a daughter of engineers I thought it was the only voice in my head so and I really worked hard and I tried to do my best but it turns out this specific mind, the thinking mind, is linked, as Eckhart Tolle says, linked always with time, which means it just has a very specific function. When you only know the conscious mind or the logic or the thinking mind, as we call it, you know what? You'll always obsess about planning and the future or dwell on the past. And it has a function, it has a value as long as you know when to use what mind and that this specific one is for these reasons not for every second so and this specific mind the thinking mind strives a little bit about uh, you know to be perfect and solution and quick fix again it's not for every hour we have many different minds we have minds that are really more about progress and small steps, one step, a step at a time, and about taking it easy and enjoying life and smell the roses, or actually minds that they do everything for us, if only we let them. 
So the other thing I realized was the first seven years I was programmed by others. What? I mean, it's just mind-blowing. So, but then the good news came, our minds, all of them, can be trained and reprogrammed. Yes. So one of the very important factors, I'm just going to name one, is the visual memory. How the symbolism really runs our life behind the scenes more than we ever thought. And I have my daughter, Isabel, who always, when we talk about doing things, just get her block, drawing block, and so we say, just tell me, you know, how do you imagine it? Let's grasp it. Let's put it on a nice drawing. Let's put it on the wall. Let's find the words. Let's make it 3D. So it just goes a long way to make sure imagination is a reality tomorrow. So how doing emotions work? Now that was a big one, a huge one. I don't know about you. I'm guessing you might have heard at least once in your life that what, you are angry? What for? You have a roof, you have food, you know all these poor people, why are you angry? You shouldn't be angry. But then again, I did feel quite angry many times. But I learned that we don't have a solution for that. So basically, swallow it and move on. Now, the big surprise here is that when you swallow it, it doesn't go away. <laughs> it just doesn't. So it's accumulated and it just, you know, make sure it gets you disease and separation and pain and bankruptcy and whatever you want to call it. And you're just going to think it's completely relevant. But it's all that accumulated negative emotion. And another separation that was made a very big difference in my life is that anger and sadness and fear and guilt and frustration and hurt, whatever you want to call it, they were never enemies. I used to run away from that because we didn't have any education. They were really a thermostat of saying, you know, check this, adjust that. They were really best friends. And the other thing was that you have this amazing ability. I mean, you don't want somebody to die and say, I don't do sadness. <laughs> or somebody slap you and say, I don't do angry. Slap the other cheek. I mean, <laughs> would you advise that to your kid in the yard? So the other thing I learned was that these are our friends, our ability to express. On the other side, when they do not get expressed, they get accumulated. So completely two different flavors of these emotions. And there it was that now my time had come to empty out, as I call it. Empty out. It's every day. You brush your teeth, I would hope so. Empty out. Have a system. Five minutes, ten minutes, find methods that I don't know how many thousands out there to empty out of these accumulated emotions because they're not going anywhere. Then, what do you want to feel in your body, your spirit, whatever you want to call it, yourself? Well, the emotions you like. So, that's again an agenda. I mean, if you wake up in the morning, you have to-do list. What about the very first thing to do is to feel in what emotions you would like to feel? Hello? 
So, today I'm planning to feel gratitude, compassion, forgiveness, kindness. Today I'm feeling enthusiasm and passion and empowerment. I feel full of energy. I feel centered, remarkably centered. I feel appreciated and valued, understood. I trust myself today. And I feel connected. I feel loved. I feel alive. And I feel courageous. Yeah. I feel the courage to be happy. I feel the courage to be disliked. I feel the courage to move on. And I feel the courage to have enormous amount of fun. Yeah. So, it takes planning. What happens is your neurology will just hear all that. You plan, you choose how to feel for the day and just gonna give it to you. It's just going to align itself and then all the situations and everything you want it's just gonna come to you because that's how you want to feel and you have a saying in that. But you need to put the focus. So empty out, fill in. And then how do we evoke and what kind of feelings do we want to evoke in others? I mean, think about it when you wake up in the morning. Instead of thinking like, oh, I have to really empty my inbox and do this and go to the supermarket. Isn't it even more important to say, you know what, who am I going to meet? How am I going to make them feel? And how am I going to go about it? So again, write the emotions and then find the ways how to make people feel. And that will tell you a lot. And you will see your relationships change forever. And then, how my body works. Now that was a big one. Turns out the body is king and queen together. The body rules. The body is the truth. The body doesn't lie. If the energy is not there, we can just get three cups of coffee, but the energy is not there. And we know. The body likes movement and that means that no matter what kind of music you like you know, it can be salsa, it can be Greek sertaki, whatever you want <laughs> anything, it needs to move it might be that you just need to move chair you go from one chair to the other or go hiking but really staying in one spot and thinking about what to do body's not going to react the body also wants attention. It was a very friendly audience. Very frequently. Every day. The body needs attention. To be listened to. It talks to us all the time. So it only takes, I don't know, five, ten minutes? It's, it's really very easily actually happy with us. When you just have that space and that time for our body to really connect and then listen to it, and then it's going to tell us everything we need to know. And we keep that connection. In talking about family, what is the first family? Turn to your body. And the body, I learned, needs stillness as well, to be centered. And we heard about Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, the here and now is what the body needs. And what is the most important person, as I very often say, in your life? 
the person in front of you, after you, of course. But in that, you know, the very first person is you and your body. After that is the person in front of you. And I don't mean on screens. Uh, so, minds, emotions, body. Now, there is a glue that connects them all together. Because if you just got these three now, you need that glue, that secret, magical, fantastic ingredient. And that is that it all starts with you, with us. And we don't know our blind spots, and we don't know what we don't know. So there's always a lot to learn. So it's called responsibility. Okay. You know where defining things? That was an aha moment for me. It's not the weight on my shoulders that I carried all my life, but what I had to do to please, or what was expected of me, or the bills I had to pay. It's the true responsibility, which means, what can I do? I mean, come on, I have my brain 24-7. It's not even in the fridge. I don't visit it once in a while on Saturday. It's with me. What can I do? We heard you know, Tony Robbins, I'm a giant. Our brain is a giant. We are a giant. It's one of us. So what can I do? And I redefined also that responsibility is completely the opposite of blaming. I mean, come on, blaming? This is such an old-fashioned word of you know, 20th century. So yeah, I mean, it's good to blame once in a while, for a little bit, as long as we know nothing's going to change, only things will get worse. But, you know, to get it out of our system. The responsibility means we leave everyone with their responsibility and we just say, what can we do? And on responsibility, the ecology of it, like what can I do and how can I create a situation of win, 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 win. Basically synchronicity all over again. Because when we wait for the others to change, first of all, we're going to wait for a long time, but then the excuse is that we're being patient. And patience needs to be redefined. Because if I'm waiting for someone to change, and I therefore call myself patient, think again how real of a value the word is. But if I take my steps, and I'm patient enough to understand that from Malaysia to get to Harvard, it takes 27 hours, and I prepare for this, then I'm cool with it. I'm patient. And then the journey is extremely um, enjoyable. Because I take my responsibility. That has priority. And that is my choice, because I want to be with you today. So, a lot of redefining. And it's... Um, Earlier this year, I was in the Philippines for work. And I had one more day to go before I had home uh, to Malaysia. And uh, I had dinner in my room. And there was this big trolley, very heavy, enormous, and multi-layered, that would take know, half the room. And I had a slight muscle injury, and I didn't want to push it outside the room. So I called the in-dining service and said, please, can you just send someone to pick it up? I said, yeah, absolutely. 
So I was waiting and waiting, waiting. Nothing was happening. But when I'm waiting for someone who's, according to me, late, or I'm waiting for something to happen that is not happening, or I'm expecting something that is not materializing, I play a game. And the game is, what can I do in the meantime? So I said, okay, I brushed my teeth. I prepared my bag for the next day. I put some oil in my sore muscle. What else, what else? Um, I put the grapes in the fridge. I put my earrings in the suitcase. I mean, all these things had to happen. What else? I washed my mug. <laughs> <laughs> and then the phone rang. And it was from the in-dining service. And they say, you know what? You have your do not disturb sign on. And they're knocking, but you also can't hear them. Do you mind opening your door? But of course, I had a big smile on my face. <laughs> I lowered the volume <laughs> of Bohemian Rhapsody. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I opened the door. So, yeah. I also thought, what is enlightenment? Enlightenment is not anymore only for amazing gurus with white robes or Dalai Lama. Enlightenment is to turn on the light in your minds, in your emotions, and in your body, which means to find out how it all works and therefore manage it and therefore become the driver of your life. And you want it? Then make sure you turn your do not disturb off. <laughs> and you don't want it? Make sure you turn it back on. <laughs> and you choose the moments and find out what the difference is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can learn more about Alini at life-spheres.com. Again, life-spheres, S-P-H-E-R-E-S.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.